0: Today. And I appreciate you joining us. And now, Brother Scott Graham.
1: Hello, it's a delight to join you today via this online platform to share something with you from the Word of God. And to begin that, I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 to 36. The writer says this But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while she were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly, whilst she became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise." There was no way he could have known he was becoming the motivation for a sermon. I suppose that would have been impractical. A sermon was the last thing on his mind. Besides, he was only probably five years old or so. His name was Nathan, and I met him in a fashion in an airport back a couple years ago. Okay, I didn't actually meet him, but I was really entertained by him, especially since he was going to be on a different flight. He was seated across from me with his mom and dad in the waiting area while we each waited on our respective flights. And his dad was occupying the time telling his son hunting stories. Now, he was a pretty gifted storyteller, and i got to admit, I was enjoying hearing them myself. But what was so entertaining to me about this situation is that every time his dad would pause for any reason, this little guy wanted the story to continue. And it didn't take a long pause. In fact, sometimes the guy was just stopping to tell his wife something or to listen to an announcement that was being made over the PA system, or maybe just to catch his breath for a second. But it didn't matter. If more than about a half a second passed, little Junior would encourage Daddy to continue with the same phrase every time. What comes next, Daddy? What comes next? And if Dad did not immediately progress with the narrative, Daddy, hey, Daddy, what comes next, Daddy? See, that little boy had only one interest, whatever came next in the story. And I can understand that somewhat. I've, I've had that, I've seen it. In fact, I have a little of that right now. We know where we are. We're vitally interested in what's going to happen next. How's this going to work out? What comes next, Daddy? What will God do next? What's the next step in the process? Where will tomorrow take us? What will tomorrow hold? What will another sunset demonstrate? I mean, we know where we are. We've never been here before, but but we really want to know where are we going to be? I know what's happening now, but Daddy, what comes next? What's after this? Well, I, I can't predict. Your, your tomorrows or forecast how this current situation is going to unfold. The more I read online, the less I think I know. But I can tell you that the Word of God does give us a few before and after truths. There are a few things that I know for certain come after in the Scriptures. And I thought maybe I'd share about three of those with you here today that the Bible is pretty clear about. The first is this. After we do the will of God, even if it's hard, we receive some promises. The writer of Hebrews, which is thought by some to be Paul, though I guess that's uncertain, addresses his readers in a season of persecution, in a hard time. It would be very applicable for us today because we're in a very difficult season. He reminds them that they had gone through some hard times before. Shortly after their conversion, he says, they endured a great Fight of afflictions is the phrase he uses. The writer says, you've been through some things before and now apparently something like that has come upon them again. They're going through another round of difficult times and they were weary. They were tired. They didn't want to go through this. There didn't seem to be any end in sight. And so they had that same question that that little boy had in the airport. Daddy, what comes next? Well, the writer gives them an answer. I read it to you moments ago. It's, It's in verse 36 of Hebrews 10. For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He, He just said, don't get caught up in the right now. There's a promise coming, so long as you do the will of God while you're going through this tough time. Don't get so focused on the after that you can't control, that you neglect the right now that you can control. No, you can't control the virus. You can take steps to maybe to to lessen the risk. And I think we all should. But we may not be able to control the circumstances around us right now. But we can control ourselves in these circumstances. And the writer says, just do the will of God. Do what you can. Keep your focus on that. There is a promise coming for those who do the will of God. You say, well, what's the will of God in this thing? Well, I can direct you to that in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 3, where he says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. God wants every one of us in the middle of this thing to be sanctified to him. That word sanctified just means set apart, set apart from things that are evil and set apart to things that are righteous, set apart from the world and set apart to God. It's very interesting for those of us that are, uh, are are living through these shelter at home or this 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 abide at home orders that are out. We're automatically cut off from from some things in this world, at least the things we don't choose to bring into our home. We're separated from some things out there, and it gives us a unique and wonderful opportunity to be separated to God during this season. You can use this time to deepen your prayer life, to spend time in the Word of God with some other things that have been cut off from your schedule. Now you can do the will of God in this window and seek Him and draw close to Him. Now, I'm going to readily admit that sometimes the will of God can can be a hard thing. It can be some tough things to go through. None of us enjoy what we're going through right now. The will of God is sometimes marked by suffering, by pain, by loneliness, by fear. We go through those things. But if God so wills, just know that if you do it, if you do the will of God faithfully, a promise is coming. Even if God wills that you have to go through a tough time, if you do it and you do it faithfully, there's a promise coming. Paul wrote to people who are going through unimaginable horrors. And yet he said, if you just do the will of God on the other side, after, what comes next, daddy, a promise is going to be fulfilled in your life. Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 5 and 10, but the God of all grace who have called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus, watch this, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. He said that that process of perfection, of, of being established, of being strengthened, some of that only comes after we've suffered a while. I may not understand why the will of God leaves one person through this valley and another one through that valley. I, I don't like it. I don't understand why sickness and financial pressure and family struggles come to certain folks and they darken our days. But I know that no less than the word of God says that we will pass through those things and that after we do, there's a promise coming. He will make us perfect. He will establish us. He will strengthen us. He will settle us. I can testify personally that some of my darkest nights have produced his strength in me. Some of the deepest valleys that I've walked through have have led to spiritual wholeness, to settling, to establishment in my life. If we do the will of God after, what comes next, daddy? After God works in our lives. If we just... Go through that process. I'm sure right now you know individuals in your church family and maybe in your natural family. And if, if that little boy, if Nathan were here, you'd say, say, daddy, th- this family's gone through financial pressures and now he's been laid off from his job because of this virus. What comes next, daddy? Oh, after I'm going to make him perfect. But, but daddy, this family's got somebody that's been afflicted by this virus and it's very critical. What comes, what comes next, daddy? I- I'm going to establish them. Daddy, this family is, has had all kinds of pressures and challenges, and now there's this additional pressure, this virus, and, and, and their home is in some uproar. Da- Daddy, what comes next, Daddy? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to settle them. God says if we just go through these and do the will of God in this process, that there are promises that come afterwards. The second thing I look at and learn from Scripture is that after we purify ourselves, the Word of God can speak into our lives more effectively. Just please observe with me for a minute what I mean by that. Israel is nearly complete with their wilderness wanderings and Canaan is just over the river. They're just about to enter into the promised land. Moses' days of leading them are drawing to a close. And before he leaves the scene, he wants to reiterate to Israel one more time the word of God. He wants to go over the commandments. He wants this word to be effective in their lives. But the word of God doesn't come until something else is done first. Deuteronomy 1, 4, and 5. After look at that word, after he had slain Sihon, the king of the Amorites, which dwelt in Heshmon, and Og, the king of Bashan, which dwelt in Ashtaroth, in Edrei, sorry, on this side of Jordan in the land of Moab, then began Moses to declare this law, saying, it's interesting to me that the word of God found liberty to speak into their lives after some things were killed, after some things that opposed God's word and God's ways, they had to be dealt with, These two kings had come out against Israel. They had fought against them. They tried to keep Israel from getting to the promised land, from getting to their prophesied destiny. I want you to notice the pattern, the word of God. Moses could not share with them the word of God until they killed these things that were trying to say to them, you are not going to become what God wants. You're not going to get where God wants to go. These negative influences in their life, these things that tried to say to them, you are not going to heaven, had to be dealt with. At some point, you and I, if we want the word of God to really have free course to minister in our lives, we have to be willing to war against anything that tries to say to us, you will not be what God wants. You're not going to get where God wants you to go. Your destiny will never be fulfilled. When we kill those voices, when we kill those things out of our lives, then the word of God speaks. Oh, I, I know, I've, I believe that preaching produces purity, but in this context, purity precedes the preaching. Before the word of God could really speak to them, the people had already defeated the opposing forces. Notice another example Abraham is on his way to Canaan, Lot and all his corrupting ways are tagging along, and this was not to be. For the Lord had told Abram, get out of your country, get away from all your family, get away from all that. He said, if you do that, if you separate yourself from all that negative stuff, then I will make of thee a great nation. Then I will bless thee. Then, 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 if you get away from that. But instead, he took Lot with him and all kinds of problems arose. You're familiar, undoubtedly, with how their herdsmen began to fight, their flocks began to have conflict with one another. So God says, you've got to separate. He gives Lot the opportunity. Abraham gives Lot the choice. You want the well-watered plains or you want the barren mountains? Oh, but with the well-watered plains, of course, you get these cities named Sodom and Gomorrah. The one looks naturally enticing, but it's spiritually damaging. The one looks naturally unappealing, but it's spiritually healthy. Lot demonstrated exactly why he didn't belong in Abraham's company by accepting the spiritual wickedness of the cities in the plain in exchange for the water and the grass for his herds. Let me just remind you here today that nothing, and I mean nothing, is more important than your spiritual well-being. I don't care what it is. If it endangers your spiritual man, God says you got to get us separate from those things. Look what happened after Abraham and Lot parted company. Genesis 13, 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after that Lot was separated from him, after. What comes next, Daddy? The Lord spoke to Abraham. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, westward, and all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. I'll make your seed like the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then your seed will be numbered. Arise, walk through the land and the length of it, the breadth of it, I will give it to thee. That prophecy only came to Abraham after Lot was separated from him. It just kind of seems to me that God seemed to be saying, Abraham, I was just waiting for you to realize that some influences aren't positive for you after you separate from them, my word will begin to speak to you. There it is. Purity precedes the prophecy. I would only say that sometimes in moments like this, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of examine ourselves, to see what we need to clean out of our lives, to see what debris is kind of accumulated in our lives that needs to be cleaned out. And if we're willing to do that, if we're willing to get those things out of our life in such a season, then we've got this this assurance that the word of God is going to speak to us. Prophetic words are going to come to us when we're willing to purify our hearts in preparation for them. And the last thing I'll tell you here is that after we remain faithful, we see victory. It seemed a daunting obstacle. In fact, the uninformed would have called it an impossible one. Oh yeah, there were a couple of million of them, but they'd been walking in the wilderness for 40 years. And this is Jericho we're talking about. Fortified gates firmly shut up against the intruders, strong, thick, mighty, tall walls thought to be probably some six feet wide and nearly 26 feet tall, built on top of an earthen embankment that was probably over 40 feet tall itself. So to combine almost 50, uh, I'm sorry, almost 80 feet in, in, I'll get it in a minute, almost 70 feet in height. It encompassed a total of about nine acres. This is a a mighty, mighty city. And the battle plan against such a formidable city does not involve laying siege to it to try to starve them out. There were no catapults constructed. There was no great battering ram pulled by oxen to the gates to try to force their way in. What's the plan? We're going to walk. We'll walk around this great city once a day for six days in complete silence, then walk around it seven times on the seventh day. And when they blow the trumpets, we're going to shout, and all of that, watch, all that for seven days without seeing anything happen yet. But we see there was an after this coming. There was a Nathan saying, Daddy, what comes next? Hebrews eleven thirty. 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Here's what has to be noticed. Not one stone fell during that process before That process was completed. There was no crumbling mortar to encourage them. No small stone came trickling out on day one as a harbinger of things that were to come. It wasn't like they could see dust rising on day three or feel the ground start to tremble on day five. They had nothing except God's instructions. And that was all they needed. The lesson for us to learn is that if we just keep being faithful, victory will come. I don't know if there were skeptics. I don't know if anyone was wondering if it was worth it or if it was working. But what I do know is that two trips, the first two days, it wouldn't work. Four days wasn't enough. Six days. And then even six and a half laps on the seventh day was not enough. Victory came after their faithfulness. I do find it instructive that God has promised us a high and holy commendation one day. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We say to our kids all the time, be good, now be good, be good. But boy, what we need to say in the spiritual context is be faithful. Be faithful. Faithful when you don't feel like it. Faithful when others aren't. Faithful when it doesn't make sense. Faithful when it seems to be easier not to be. Faithful when your flesh rebels against it. Faithful when people mock you. Faithful when hell laughs at you. And I know right now we can't be faithful in a physical sense to the house of God, but we can be faithful to the God of the house. We can be faithful to our families. We can be faithful to our marriages. We can be faithful in our finances. We can be faithful for as long as we live. Because the Bible tells us in Revelation 2.11, God speaks to the church in Smyrna. And he says, be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. You only get the crown of life after the faithfulness. After we're faithful, the victory comes. I I can just see little Nathan asking when he saw one of those saints in Smyrna that was faithful to death. What comes next, daddy? A crown of life comes next. Revelation 19 and 1, and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor, and power unto the Lord our God. I've just got to tell you, I don't know how long this situation is going to last. I don't know how long we're going to be in these unique circumstances. I I don't know how this is going to unfold, but I know this, if we're faithful after there's a blessing, there's a provision, God's going to take care of us through it. But there are some promises that come only after we demonstrate faithfulness. I want to encourage you precious people of God, just stay faithful after you're faithful victory will come. Nathan is asking a very important question tonight. What comes next, daddy? What comes next? Well, from the word of God, I can tell you, after you do the will of God, promises come. After you prepare your hearts with purity and kill out, kill away, and separate those things that try to derail your prophetic destiny, the word of God speaks to you. And after you remain faithful, victory is absolutely certain. Be encouraged today. I know we know where we are. We don't know where we're going, but we know this. Our daddy, our heavenly father controls what comes next. Every now and then our choir sings a song and a medley that they do, and I just love it. It's an old song. After a while, it'll all be over. After a while, the sun will shine. After a while, dark clouds will pass over. And we'll shout hallelujah after a while. Where we're at right now is not where we're going to stay Don't know how it's going to unfold. Don't know how long it's going to take. But I know this, God is in control. And if we just do the will of God, if we seek to be pure, if we maintain a faithfulness to God after daddy knows what's going to come next and he's got good things planned for his children. Stay in the fight. Stay faithful. Stay connected to God. Sanctify yourself during this time. Do his will in this season and watch what our daddy has planned for us next. May God bless you richly. I pray nothing but God's best on you and your family. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We just heard a very tremendous word about being faithful and that God, after that faithfulness, will give us the promise and do in us what he has declared to do. So there are two things that I want you to be faithful to that I think is very important. I want you to do your rule of five or your daily devotion. I want you to stay very faithful to that. And I want you to bless others and encourage others with your words. Now that can and should include you calling the backslider that God puts on your heart and inviting them back to church whenever we are able to come back. I believe That if we will reach out to them, God will bless that and bring that backslider back and see them refilled with the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost and rededicate their life to Jesus Christ. That is what we want to see happen. So we're going to pray right now that we will be faithful, that our heart will be true, that we will not despair during this time, but we will stay focused and connected to the Spirit of God and anointed of the Holy Ghost to accomplish his purpose in this hour. Right now, even though we're not allowed in the building, we are still allowed to connect with heaven and go into the throne room and make petition known. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to receive the word by faith. I thank you for the wonderful and sweet people of God who remain ever faithful even during these difficult times. Lord, we are going to talk to you every day. We're going to connect with your spirit every day. We're going to ask that your word would minister to us every day of our lives. We're going to stay faithful to the God of the house And we're going to reach out to the backsliders, reach out to others, speak words of encouragement, and let them know that our God is a faithful God, and he will come through with the promise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you here tomorrow night at 7 p.m. for Brother Jack Cunningham. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions we can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.